we don't have time. It's already done. It's literally, it's literally too late. People are talking about like scientists talking about how we're going to hit one point. We're going to start seeing 1.5 in 2024. And people want to keep talking about how time is running out. No, time ran out like 10, 20 years ago. We are on borrowed time. We don't even know. We just, we hold it. We hold it onto nothing right now. We're just, we, we built on very shaky foundation that is going to crack sooner rather than later. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. Uh, and as always, I'm delighted with today's guest. Um, Chandel, please introduce yourself. Hi, good day. My name is Chandel O'Neill, pronounced either them. I am a sustainable energy specialist and a human rights advocate from Trinidad and Tobago. And I just so happened to meet Maurice last week at New York Climate Week. So we decided to do a little session on the podcast. Um, I do a bunch of different things. When it comes to climate change, I generally focus on the intersection of gender and climate. Um, Been working in the space more actively since the pandemic, since a lot of it went online, it became more accessible to people from my demographics, like AKS's remote areas, so it's been more accessible. I'm also a member of Youngo, which is the youth constituency to the UNFCCC. That's the official constituency if children or youth have any issues with climate change Paris Agreement, you go straight to this channel. I also volunteer locally doing, um, like, um, I guess it's reforestation and other things, including, um, I volunteer, like, the human rights advocacy side of me comes from, like, I'm openly queer and in Trinidad it is a perpetual work in progress. So I volunteer a lot in those spaces, hopefully trying to move that needle of justice in the right directions, coming over a very conservative society. Um, my formal education is in engineering, focused on, like, sustainable energy systems design, like, solar PV, wind turbines, all that kind of stuff. So I also have an enterprise registered around that. But Trinidad is also very much an oil and gas country, so it's a perpetual, another perpetual work in progress but fortunately enough i'm hopefully starting to work more in the region in the caribbean and get to go to other islands because other islands don't necessarily have the same subsidies and have to do more greater strides around being more renewable so hopefully you can make a change in those spaces as well and that's my introduction for now thanks i i, I have to lie down uh, no i mean this is <laughs> you know when, what but you know this is incredible I, you know everything you do so so what do you do when you have some time off I go, I like to go to the beach. I like to plant uh-huh. trees. I like to go to the river. I like to hang out with friends. I like to play video games online. The normal stuff. It's just yeah. we we fit in everything. You just <laughs> you, everybody has twenty four hours in the days. What do you choose to do with those twenty four hours? Okay. Well, amazing. So, can you can you take us a little bit, you know, through your journey in terms of how? You know, how did you get where you are today? So, so how was your, you know, upbringing, and and you know, why ultimately, you know, are you so active within this space? Okay. Um. Well, for me, I 
born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago. I went to university and worked in Canada for five years. And part of that, like me going away and seeing the other side of the world, kind of solidified for me that I wanted to go back home. If I'm going to do good anyway, I might as well do it back home. Um, unfortunately, also in 2014, a bushfire in the area got close enough to burn the land behind my house and got close enough to burn parts of my roof. So that's kind of how I started planting trees at Fonzalan to forestation project. It was straight up like kind of have skin in the game. So, you know, because it's right over the hill from behind my house. So if there has no trees, it's very easy for more hazards to come closer to my house. So that's kind of how I started. Um, from there, I was working full time and things happened with that. So I entered, I registered an enterprise and started doing my own thing. And it's also around the time when the pandemic hit, I started volunteering a lot more because we had more issues with like, you know, um, like um, human rights advocacy. Kaisu was organizing like a food drive and a clothes drive because the pandemic was pretty rough on both general communities, but vulnerable communities generally have a little tougher time. Um, I was also volunteering at like vaccine drives and stuff because, again, we were having issues with just people, rural communities accessing information. So just doing things the hard way. So, yeah, just kind of it's always been in my nature to just started something and see where it takes me so you asked me how I got here it's probably just straight up planting trees in my backyard and now apparently I have some sway where I get to go to New York climate week sometimes technically I grew up Catholic um okay. I did confirmation and all that kind of stuff I'm openly queer, also well black. Um, so those two things may not necessarily go well together. Uh, yeah. Uh, growing up, uh, it wasn't fun, but it was all right. Like I knew it would be a problem eventually, mm-hmm. but it just became a point where I crossed that bridge and started coming out, and it was a perpetual work in progress, but it's getting better. Um. I I went to like a co-ed primary school. It was always very much a tomboy, hanging out more with the boys and that kind of stuff. So it was kind of always apparent I was more masculine presenting. And then for secondary school, I went to all girls school, and that you think it would be more like just because you're around girls more, it'll be a phase and all that kind of stuff. But no, still the same person, still the same who I was. It just became more apparent. Um, I'll say, fortunately, one thing that kind of saved me a little bit, which is generally being good at mathematics and science. Like school wasn't necessarily mm. the best time, but it's just like like part of the reason why I got through school and was able to get my degree and everything. It was just as lucky. I was good with math and science. Like I couldn't necessarily I wasn't necessarily doing the best in English, French and all these other subjects they had me doing. But those like like some of it kind of did all right. So school wasn't too stressful. Like. Mm-hmm. I got through it. I, I could have probably done better, but I got through it. And so I don't mind. Um, by the time I went to university, I was more out. Like I came out basically between like between you know, between secondary school and university. I took a gap year and was specifically kind of just to start coming out and work on that. So that worked out well. By the time I went to university, it was open information. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of involved in like the queer clubs and all that kind of stuff. I have friends who know, respect my pronouns, it's not a problem. But yeah, it wasn't necessarily fun, but based on where I have come from, it was all right. Like, could be, it could have been better, but it wasn't the worst. So it was all right. And I made it through and like 29 years now, mm-hmm. and it's all right. Yeah. And, and Chandel, if, if uh, you, you um, would have any advice for, you know, kids out there, 
who you know are going through the same uh, as as you had to go you know what what would be the advice in terms of of uh, you know living in in Trinidad and I I I, um, I assume you know being Catholic is is uh, and and living in a relatively small community is you know is is still true for younger folks out there so what would you advise them you know uh taking Knowing one what later. you know now yeah. <laughs> it, it is absolutely scary and probably will always be the scariest thing you ever have to go through in your life but once you're in it and going through it it gets a lot better and i don't say it gets a lot better in terms of like society and the world i think your human ability to cope is what grows so that's what gets better mm-hmm. um also when it comes to like gender non-conformance and like queer and trans and non-binary things the best piece of advice i ever got was take away the whole transition aspect of it, take away the anxiety of like hormones, surgery coming out in that aspect, just take it all away. Just if you can try to figure out how to be comfortable in your own skin, not necessarily even your own body, just find a way to be comfortable in your own skin. And like part of that for me was straight up just getting tattoos and like exercising. Part of it, like I know, like I exercise in such a way that I change the shape of my body because I can, I know it, it could be more extreme if I took hormones and that kind of stuff, but and I also get tattoos as well as like a tool of adornment, but just learn to be comfortable in your own skin. Um, and yeah, it's going to suck for a while. It is honestly going to suck for a while, but on the other side of the suck, you find something invincible, like something they can't touch. Like you basically went through the scariest thing. You went into the abyss, you went through hell, you saw it all. And you're on the other side with still a smile. So it'll make it tougher. It'll just definitely make it tougher. And that's part of it. it. It doesn't get better. You just get stronger. So I think that's the best piece of advice I'll give you. It does. It may not necessarily get better, but you definitely will get stronger. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I really think it will be helpful for, for, you know, kids out there and for anybody else, actually. Um, hey, can you, is there any project or activity that you're working on at the moment that you would like to, to share with the audience? Um, uh, you know, well, okay. Well, I belong to a lot of different organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm part of SOE Caribbean and part of that project right now, we're talking a lot about deep sea mining because, the big conference where it happened in Jamaica and the big headquarters where it's kind of like in our own backyard, but the Caribbean itself may not necessarily understand why deep sea mining isn't a good thing. So SOE was very much working on a few campaigns around raising public awareness around deep sea mining and basically some supporting the moratorium of just that we don't know enough science to just be messing with things down there. So we should just kind of leave it alone until at least we learn more. Um, I'm also part with Kaiso, Sex and Gender Justice, which is the local LGBTQI community engagement project um right now we have a project called wholeness and justice where we straight up work on getting vulnerable communities queer communities enrolled in social services like food grants um health and psychosocial support if they need it um there's also a program called sign together where we have people teaching first responders sign language because they found that one of the biggest problems in Trinidad Vigo is communicating with deaf people especially in queer communities um I'm also kind of a project where I'm trying to get to COP27, have partial funds have my accreditation badges. It's just need the whole sets of funds. So I'm applying for different things and working on that as well. Um, but yeah, um, KAISO, SOE, those are kind of the major projects tackling right now, I guess. Thanks. 
Right. And and we will make sure we, you know, we uh, people who are listening to it and would like to support you, um, maybe we will put that in the podcast notes so so um, that it is easy. And, and uh, yeah, I, w- I would definitely uh, make a shout out to anyone out there who would like to support her support Chandel to um, to go to COP27. Uh, I think there is a, a lot uh, that you can contribute. Um, so awesome. This podcast is a spin-off of a 100-mile walk that I've been doing for the last 10 years now, and you're making the preparations for number 11. Um, and you know, I, I, I try to, to walk, uh, because I would like to raise awareness about hunger, poverty, and injustice. And, um, the question I always ask to my uh, guest is if you would be asked to walk 100 miles in a week to 15 to 20 miles a day, um, you know, for what reason would you walk for what cause? I'm honestly kind of mischievous. So you asked me to work 100 miles in a week, 15 to something miles a day. I would do it just because, just to be able to say I can, just because to be able to say I did. Like, that's enough reason for me to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you put a cause in front of it, I'll say you put human rights slash like gender-based violence. I know that is like the number one pressing issue, at least in the Caribbean context. So, but either way, I would do it, you know, just to see something to do. But if you want to put it behind something, gender-based violence, because due to the systems of oppression and exploitation we inherited from colonialism we're still working on trying to figure out how to treat women and girls decent no so you know i i will i invite you to join me the next uh, next time i go so so uh, to see if you can do it right <laughs> i'm not gonna toot my own i'm not gonna overestimate my abilities but i'm pretty sure i can do it it's just 15 miles flat land like i could a 5k is like a half an hour like i can do it if i need to do it i just don't like to run i just don't know no, i'm not talking about running we're talking about walking walking okay yeah, yeah yeah we're talking about walking absolutely um hey you know actually you know when when i walk with uh others during that 100 mile walk some you know join me for a mile others for 10 and and uh we talk about many things but one of the the recurring themes is always about, you know, why are we on this earth? And then we start talking about religion and spirituality. And one of the questions that I always ask to my guests is, you know, um, it seems that, well, some people are saying, um, you know, the younger generation uh, thinks differently about religion and spirituality. Others are saying, no, you know, it's still the same. And others are saying, well, uh, maybe they feel differently towards institutionalized religion but they are still spiritual so um my question to you is what do you see happening among youth in your community you know with regard to religion and spirituality i would agree like i think to a certain extent we're moving away from religion there's still a certain level of spirituality um i think my generation moves more less away from prayer and more towards meditation um i think also we there's like I don't necessarily subscribe, but there's a lot of talk of like astrology, like star signs and that kind of stuff and moon in retrograde. That kind of cups up a little more in terms of spirituality. 
I just think, like, I, I do believe also my generation isn't as conservative. So we're, we're definitely moving away a lot from, like, the binary and a lot of the things we'd find in, like, the holy books of, like, the Bible and all that kind of stuff in terms of the definition of what is what. Um, but there is still room for spirituality. There's still room for believing in a higher power. We're not, we're not like, a completely um, malcontent generation where everything is just like, no, we don't believe in it because that's what the older generation did. We're just doing it a little differently and it may be a little bit beyond the binary and I write strict def- strict definitions that we've previously be- been given, but I at least see there's room for spirituality within my generation. And, and why do you think, you know, your generation or at least in your community um, uh, there is a you know, you're, you're, the youth is going away from uh, religion. Why is that? Uh, I think it comes, like, I, okay, I can only speak for myself, but, like, my perception is a lot of religion was designed at a time when straight-up humans did not have access to literacy. So, like, now we straight-up just know more. We know more science. We know more, we know more everything about the universe. So it's just because we know more now, I think, the whole starting tool of religion was just that a starting tool. But now that we know more, we kind of have to move steps towards a more advanced way of believing in the will and how it's made up because a lot of it is just, it was designed for the time and place. Like some of the restrictions that he put in the Bible was just because of like health reasons. Like I, I can't know specifically, but it, it was just like, they didn't want you to eat that. So they put it in the Bible in a certain way that the meat was tainted or that kind of stuff. It was just, that's that, and that just had to do with the level of literacy and the understanding of how disease spread at the time. And now that we know more, we don't necessarily need such conservative and missing information as a major source of why we do things. And um, I think that's it. It's just we know more now, so we know more science, we know more math, we know more everything at this point, and we have more tools to measure and see the world that we know. So we kind of with what we know more about, we just go in with the more like no offense to religion or anything, but the starting point was just like a lesser view of the world. So now that we know more, we might as well see a bigger world. I'm, I'm assuming that you grew up uh, within the Catholic Church. Um, so, and, and so how did that journey go? I okay. I am honestly Catholic because according to my mother, my grandmother would turn over and over grieve if I wasn't. Um, I did confirmation and everything, but also I it should be noted my 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 secondary school was Catholic, so that kind of spurred my longevity in Catholicism. But I wasn't necessarily too much of a big subscriber. It was very much something my parents, most specifically my mother, made me do. So I continued to do it for as long as she wanted me to. I confirmed and everything. And I, I remember it was funny. Like she was making a joke with me. At least I thought it was a joke that you have to get confirmed so you'll be able to get married in a church. And at the time, I already knew I was queer. So I knew I wasn't getting married in a church. So she would just let me like, we will see. And then I, in my head, I'd be like, we will see. We will definitely not see, but we will see. So it was like, <laughs> all right. They were just... Like, also, like, part of it also, like, Christianity gave me a way of seeing the world. It, it, it still influences who I am as a person. Like, part of the reason why I volunteer so much is the Christian in me. It's just mm-hmm. part of Christianity teaches you when world is all these things are going on, one of the best things you could do is to serve other people who can't do anything for you. It kind of puts everything in perspective. And, like, there's certain aspects of Christianity I'll take with me forever, but 
I don't necessarily need to subscribe for it. And I respect it as a way of like, which my mother and my grandmother needed to see the world. But as I've gotten older, I think the respect that I wouldn't need to do that for my children at all, but I respect that they did it for me. You mentioned that, um, you know, your generation is going from prayer to meditation. Can you explain to us, you know, what is the difference? For me, I think it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of like manifestation. Like prayer is basically you're saying your words into something and you keep repeating it, repeating it, hopefully for something to come come into fruition from it. And meditation is the same way. way. But with prayer, it's kind of generally always guided towards God or Allah or whatever gods you believe in but meditation is kind of putting it out into the universe it's like more of like manifestation like you're repeating the same thing over and over to yourself but you're not necessarily putting it out to god or anyone you're putting it out to the universe it's part of like manifestation and like um it's just part of it is imagination like part of like it's just imagination like how to keep your imagination alive how to see things that you can't see right now but you want them to come into being and meditation and prayer tools for seeing things you can't see right now but helping them come into being is it's like imagination gone wild a little bit. So that's how I see it. What are some of the things that you worry, uh, worry about at the moment? Beyond the existential climate crisis. Um yeah, like I worry about this whole time thing. Like one big thing is like with the pandemic, everybody's talking about a new normal, but I'm not seeing a new normal. I seen a lot of backsliding and a lot of we're just gonna go back to what's easy and comfortable. So that's a little worrying because everybody kept on talking about a new normal. We kept on talking how we're gonna build back better, but right now it's just looking like too much of the same and it's all the same, but like on a 28 delay, like we really, really do not have time to waste. So my big concern is we we're kind of not tackling what we need to be tackling and just kind of falling back into old ways. And we're honestly just running out of time. I can't think about it enough because it will give me too much stress and anxiety. But we really don't have enough time. And I hate how, like right now, out of the UN, there was this big bulletin come out from the official UN channel. It's like, these are the major takeaways from the UNGA last week. And it was just like, time is running out. No, time has already run out. I hate the whole concept of time is running out. We don't have time. It's already done. It's literally, it's literally too late. People are talking about, like, science is talking about how we're going to hit one point. We're going to start seeing 1.5 in 2024. And people want to keep talking about how time is running out. No, time ran out like 10, 20 years ago. We are on borrowed time. We don't even know. We just, we hold it. We're holding on to nothing right now. We're just, we, we built on very shaky foundation that is going to crack sooner rather than later. And we, we had enough time to try to do something with it. And we did, we wasted it. And part of it is just, I know, unfortunately, it's been said to me straight up the next 10, well, up until 20, 2030 is going to suck. It's only going to be from hopefully the loss of, lives and livelihoods and people seeing how bad it gets and hopefully it impacting I, I don't mean hopefully in a good way i mean hopefully it impacting the mo- like the one percent the ones who could generally insulate from it that hopefully the world will actually start to act and people will start putting money behind the actions and start implementing and start putting institutions in place but it's just yeah it's really worrying how time has been not on our side and we wasted it Let us piggyback on that word that you used, hopefully. Um, 
so can, you know can you maybe explain that a bit more in terms of do you still see hope and and where do you see it i'm a prisoner of hope hope is all i got um mm. i have a younger sister she's soon to be five she's part of my big source of hope like i really don't plan on having kids or anything of these sorts and she's the closest thing i have to like a next generation and i would hope that she grows up in a world that kind of similar to when i grew up in like playing with nature and not having to worry about like hurricanes floodings and storms every year so part of my hope is that i have a little sister that i want to continue to play with and want to have a good world for her that's and but hope is hope is the hope is the mantra of my generation i guess because we we, we and this is why i say we have to leave space for spirituality because if you look at the science and everything hope isn't what we should be banking on but it's all really got and it's hopefully people with the big brains people putting like seeing how big the problem is like we, the pandemic showed like if we want to get together and solve a problem we could solve a problem like the vaccine for the pandemic was developed in like 18 months it was done like if we really really want something done we could get it done and i hope again hope that when it comes to climate crisis one day some i don't want to say one day something really really bad will happen but that's probably what it will take one day something really, really bad will happen and hopefully the world will realize all these borders and wars and all these things that we fight about internally don't really matter if we're all on the same spaceship. So, yeah, hope. Hey, we met each other uh, during the United Nations General Assembly Climate Week um, in our days. Um, the UN was also instrumental in facilitating, um, you know, that we ultimately got the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and, you know, it might not be perfect, but it's all we have at this moment to make this world, you know, a bit better. What do you want uh, the listeners of this podcast to know about the Sustainable Development Goals? That's my first question. And then second, have you heard about the Inner Development Goals? And if so, uh, what are your thoughts about those Inner Development Goals? Uh, okay, I'll see. When it comes to Sustainable Development Goals... They are pretty, they have the flaws, but they're pretty decent framework. So when it comes to people, I recommend everybody just look at E17 and pick one. Like I'm pretty sure you could find one you like and just pick one and advocate for it. It's very easy to advocate for it. It's generally a list of things that everybody wants and needs. So pick one that you like and make it your favorite. And that could be the one you advocate for. And that's how you get more familiar with all the SDGs. Um, the inner development goals, I'll say I hadn't heard about them until actually I went to the panel that you spoke on at um, the climate week and i looked into it more but i i realized i kind of learned it in a different context like i went to university i did a postgrad in global leadership and regenerative leadership and they have us do these like skills assessments and all these kind of personality quizzes and it kind of comes up in that aspect so i looked into it i respected like i understand it to a certain extent but i never i never heard of it but i heard of it in like a different way and i think that's kind of common so yeah yeah. And, and, you know, for the listeners, it refers, it says it, the inner development goals came about because it, this group of people that came up with, with those goals said, you know, that one of the reasons that we are uh, falling behind on, on reaching towards, uh, going towards these SDGs is because we never uh, really paid proper attention to the abilities and skills and qualities that you need as an individual and as a community. 
And, um, you know, if I listen to you, actually, you know, you do a lot of hard work also on yourself and, and, uh, you, you know, so, so if we want to change the systems, it starts with yourself. You need to know who you are and what you can do when you need to know about your community. So I, for me, it makes a lot of sense in terms that, that, uh, you need to look at the I, we, it and its perspectives and, and uh, then you can make maybe uh, contribute uh, significantly to the changes that we need to see. Um, I, I just thought to like throw in on that, like part of it, like these cognitive tests and all these kind of things, it kind of points at the difference between like a developed and a developing country. Because at least in Trinidad and Tobago, the post-colonial context, it's, it's what's referred to as like a learned helplessness. It's kind of... It's an unfortunate social phenomenon, just something that happened with people who are generally disempowered and marginalized. Like you just generally feel the world isn't in your favor. So you're generally in a situation where you believe something or someone else has to come and save you. And it's part of the learned helplessness. And part of that learned helplessness is you never really learn the power in advocating for I. Like you don't see the power of yourself as an individual. So I think that's a big difference in the whole developed and developing country context, at least in Trinidad and Tobago, that's also post-colonial because we have an issue with like leadership and people and personnel. And part of that comes is just the history inherited and I, that part of it will come with the inner development goals, but it's just hard to develop yourself. Like, it's just like, it's a cultural issue. It's a social issue. It's just people think, people think that's just how it is. And like, it's just a learned behavior that this exists in our society. And yeah, so I, re- I respect the inner development goals and it's part of the problem, but try, trying to talk to people about how like socially, it's just, it's a very touchy subject. So you have to be very careful with how you come to people who've like just been dealing with a lot for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you talked about colonialism, post-colonialism. Um, my organization uh, celebrated its 75th anniversary. So, so and, and during that time, so recently, and during that time, we also looked at, you know, how did we do? And one of the big topics that came up is how did we do in relation to racial justice? And, uh, you know, what should we do better? Um, so I have a question for you about that. If, if you look at the NGO sector as a whole, and it, I, I totally understand it's difficult to um, to generalize, but I'm asking you to do it anyway. But if you look at the NGO sector as a whole, um, in terms of racial justice, how do you think the sector did? And um, any advice for the sector? I think part like the sector isn't immune to the same social problems. And I think the sector might be a certain vulnerable because NGO, the whole concept of like non-governmental organization, at least in Trinidad Tobago, it's the term charity. And charity generally comes with, honestly, like it's just white people trying to help BIPOC people. That's a lot of what charity is. So the NGO context it is problematic because a lot of it is just perpetuating the same structures of just like people with power giving giving away like crumbs to the less fortunate. So I won't say it's very it's like when it, and it, part and like part of it is like trying to atone with racial justice, but it's not the same thing as empowering people. It's not the same thing as providing skills. It's not the same thing as like changing livelihoods. It's just like a little token to like just make yourself feel better for a minute and like quality like like um like lower little feeling of guilt you may have so i don't think the ngo sector is immune to the problems of racial justice if anything it may actually 
perpetuated a little worse in certain circumstances because of this general nature of charity. And that's all I can really say about that. Music is very important to me, so I always have a question relating to music as well. So, if if I ask you to uh, to name a song or a piece of music uh, that best embodies who you are, you know, which piece of music would that be, and why? That is very. You can't just make me pick one song. So that's why I was like, no, 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 no. But for the time for right now, in terms of just giving an answer, I would say. Um, there's a song, okay, locally, the genre of music is called Suka and Destra, the queen of Bacchanal. That's what she formally titles herself as, as a Suka song that came out this year called um, Farewell. And like that's the song I would use right now in terms of a local context and understanding where things are right now. But you can't just make me pick one song. It's never going to be one song. At minimum, it's a hundred song playlist. <laughs> but okay, I will I, give I, you this one song for now. Okay. I can give you three, you know. so. That just makes it worse. It's like it has to be a it has to be a, a comprehensive Spotify playlist in a specific order designed yeah. to develop certain emotions. So for now, I would give you Destra Queen of Bacchanal. The song is Fair, Farewell. That's the song I would give. But you can't And why? Why? Why are you picking me? Oh, because it's a good song. It's like soca music is known for it's not for it's not it's not intellectual in any capacity. You listen to soca music, dancing, having a good time in the street, just enjoying life. And the song is straight up, it's like no matter what happens in life, we we'll just toast to the good times and we always find a reason to smile, kind of a vibe. So that's a good song that that's that's a sentiment I want to keep with me, hopefully for the rest of my life. So it's a, a song reminding you to appreciate the good times and find reasons to smile and just no matter what, it was good because we, we laughed and we smiled when it was happening. Any message or invitation or question for the listeners? Uh, I'll go with the classic. It always seems impossible until it's done. Like right now, we're kind of on a mission to fix the planet and resolve a lot of things we've done poorly in history. And time isn't on our side and the odds, are necessary, odds aren't necessarily in our favor, but we still have to do it. Like it's the only option we have. Like we can't all run off to Mars. We can't just lay down and wait for the end. We have to fight. We have to go out with our boots on. So join the fight. Um always seems impossible until it's done although i i don't know who the next guest uh on on uh, on the podcast is um if i ask you you know you, you may ask a question to my next guest what would that question be what music are you listening to right now and if you can make any recommendations no pressure anything like that like what is your ultimate favorite song because that's too much so any general music recommendations you have that you're willing to pass along, I'd appreciate. Thanks. That's great. That's great. And, uh, do, do you play an instrument yourself? or, or uh... I could technically play the djembe, you know, the drum. Um, uh -huh. I I could play the simple chords on, a, on, a, on guitar. I never really mastered bar chords. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. I kind of dance to a certain extent, but I've gotten older. But I, I still have a few. I still have a couple more years of dancing me, and I'll never stop dancing. So yeah, my tools are my body for dance. Mm-hmm. I can drum for rhythm and guitar because you know guitar makes you cool. <laughs> What would be your advice to a a faith-based organization that is trying to reach out to a younger uh, community? Um, You know, how should they do that? And and because what what a lot of uh, faith-based organizations are facing is that, you know, the younger generation is not going to church. And we discussed that earlier. So um, because what we we experience is that... um, when we are talking with the younger generation, they are really interested in the work that we do because then they, you know, we are not here to, to spread the word, but we are here to, you know, help people. So, so, um, and to work with people. So what would be your advice? I mean, what, what, uh, starts ringing the bell with this younger generation? I would say sure that having church in your title does not help. That's not a, like, at least from my context, church is always associated with being annoyed, sitting down in a very hard chair, listening to somebody talk about things I don't really want to hear about right now. So the church in the title doesn't help. And I think a lot of it also comes with how church is generally set up. At least what I found is it's very much more of a lecture situation rather than like a learning interactive session. So I don't know how you make it more interactive. I know you have like, um, I know there's like study, well, Sunday, like church groups and stuff that break off after mass and all that kind of stuff. But the whole mass and that whole hour to two hours of sitting down isn't going to help anyone and anything. Um, Also, maybe possibly just one thing in general, my generation likes flex time. So if you could have a way you do the recording and you can listen to it on your own time, that might help to a certain extent. But I the church in your title doesn't help at all. Like we we would do assemblies, we'll do summits, we'll do conferences, we'll do meetings, but church that doesn't help the title. Um, because we're just too open and oh generate like at least because of access to information, we're very flexible when it comes to religion. Even if you are religious, most people I know who consider themselves religious at least borrow from like three religions. So we 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 can never pick one. So I think the, at least we want to see the church and at least your organizations collaborating together more for uh, and also crowd also collaborating more across denominations, not just all Catholic, not all Christian, all that kind of stuff. So I think we want to see if you want to see us join, we want to see maybe you guys show more effort at like just integrating more, more accessibility, more inclusion, more mixing around rather than just church. Great. Thank you so much, Chandel, for, for today. I, I really enjoyed it. And, and I would really um, encourage the listeners to check out, check you out. I mean, we, in the podcast notes, there will be, you know, the people will be able to find you. If they want to support you, they, they can. Uh, thank you so much for today and, and good luck with everything you do. Great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Again, if anybody could support me trying to get the COP27 is much appreciated, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Just a little anxious at this point. And thank you for your time. It was a great session. I like talking to you. Part of my thing is always, I will, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the power of like dialogue and conversation. Too much of our history has been around like debate, debate and argument. So I always like a good conversation. So thanks for that. And walk, talk and listen. <laughs> <laughs> great. 
Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.